Thank you for joining us on our journey here to preserve the history of mixed martial arts. When I wanted to take on this project, I needed help. I brought in one of my favorite matchmakers, Miguel Iterate, and the MMA detective, Mike Davis. So to do this, we've been able to preserve history. Welcome and enjoy. Hey, Miguel Iterate here for the Lights Out podcast. I'm joined, as always, by the MMA detective, Mike Davis. And uh, we have a special guest and a special feature. We are in Chris Lytle's vault, a new feature here where we're taking a deep dive look at certain events and certain people that, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, are, are for the hardcore fans. But don't you think, are, are we really in a hardcore situation? I don't think we can get any more hardcore, actually. Yeah, so we got we got Danny Boy Bennett. Um, Danny, your first fight, obviously you're from the Seattle, Washington area, which you've got Matt Hume, Dennis Hallman, Benji Raddick, just a, a, a Anthony Hamlet's out there, just a Murray Smith. <laughs> and you're only right, exactly. You're a few hours away from, you know, Raw, which later became uh, Team Quest. So it's a there's a really big fight community there. But what interests us is the events that you'd fought on in your early career. Well, so your first fight, now you're from the Seattle area, is at the United Full Contact uh, Federation. Except it's not in, although it's Matt Hume's event, it's actually in Hawaii. So your first fight is in Hawaii, November 9th, 1995, against Justin McCauley's brother, Sean McCauley. Yeah. Okay, so do you, do you recall get, getting involved with that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, since I'm kind of a, from a sister gym of Matt Hume, you know, and the, one of the, you know, the top fighters from Washington, I got an opportunity to fight on that. And fighting Sean McCauley, uh, we, I think we were supposed to weigh 170 because I I think I walked around like 165. Once he, he showed up at like 190, <laughs> 195. He was pretty, he's pretty yoked. But I didn't I didn't care, you know, whatever. Uh, I just remember the bell coming, you know, coming out. I just walked out and switched, kicked him, boom, and he. I thought he was gonna go out, but lack of experience, I just. He didn't need to turn and looked at me and said, fuck this. And he shot in. And he took me down right away. And we wrestled around a little bit. And then he, I think he got me in a guillotine. Oh, no, rear naked choke. Is that so, what it was? Because it's not in, it's not on the official. Yeah, he got me with a rear naked. Gotcha. He got so me in a guillotine. I got out. And then he got me in a, yeah, a rear naked choke. So let's, let's, what is your background up until this point? Muay Thai. Muay Thai. And how much Muay Thai experience? Are we talking? A lot. Okay, so in <laughs> essence, do you have any ground whatsoever going into that fight? Absolutely not. And maybe a little bit of junior high wrestling. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's what I mean. I got out of a few things, but then all of a sudden, I can't remember if he got me in a guillotine or a rear naked, but yeah, he, he ended up, or I got out of one of the chokes into an arm bar or something. It was, it was a dumb transition that I, I messed up on and then I got put in. Yeah, but I think he got me in an arm bar actually. Now, because this is 1995, November of 1995, so we're like deep in the old days here. You know, you, you're on UCF, you're, you're Matt Hume's show. It's the second one of those shows. Sean McCauley, now I wonder if you know if you knew this or, or were aware of it. Sean McCauley actually fought on a pretty huge pay-per-view like three weeks before, and uh, that <laughs> one was one that was main evented by Hensel Gracie against James Waring. Uh, Macaulay lost to Eric Paulson in the first round and then came in to fight you. I, had you seen the pay-per-view? Were you aware of any of that? 
No, I didn't care. Was it if you had known about it, would you have scouted him, tried to see it, or at that point you're happy with your with your skills? Uh, I I don't I don't I never really did ever try to watch any video on any people and find out what they do because my job is to go in there and do what I what I want to do, and I found that sometimes when I did see people, it would kind of make me like second guess. Oh shit, he's pretty good, you know, and then kind of doubt me. I don't want to know that because when I go into a fight, I mean, yeah, I do I want to know a little bit of what they do, but I don't really focus on them. I focus on what I want to do, how I want to, you know, how I want the fight to go my way. And I like to be first. I very rarely do. I let somebody come at me. So then I didn't care about it. I, that's why I came out. As soon as we walked out, I just switch kicked him right in the face. And it was so fast and, and it rocked him. And he was like, kind of shook his head. And it was like, he totally switched dancing and charged me and took me down. So, but now okay. today, he would not be able to do that. <laughs> All right, so you're zero and one. You're flying to Hawaii for your first fight. What was the? Do you recall the payday on something like that? Was <laughs> that an expensive first, flight? My first Muay Thai fight in uh, Las Vegas against an eight-time world champion, five hundred dollars. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's fine for nothing. <laughs> When people, you know, bitch about, oh, I need this much, shut the fuck up. Especially when you don't knock people out or finish people. You don't deserve a, you know, mm -hmm. I just, everybody back then was like, I want 15000 I said, bitch, I fought for 500 bucks, dude. Are you kidding me? I guess a murderer. Yeah, on top of it. It's not like it's a local drunk from the crowd. Right. Right. So, all right. So, well, let me ask him a little bit, because you, 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 you hinted at, you said a lot. But talk, talk a little bit about your true Muay Thai experience. How many matches, you know, that, that sort of stuff. But uh, give me a little uh, bit of a resume. Well, there. I think as an amateur, I was 24 and 4. Um, I, was, I was a heavyweight champion of Canada as an amateur at a, as a middleweight of 165. I fought a, um, a former, what is that, a K1 guy, uh, Paul Lalonde, 6'6". Six, six. Um, and... I, I ended up beating him. We were, it was weird because it was for an amateur heavyweight title. I was supposed to fight the middleweight champion. He got hurt, but it was still fight me, but didn't want to put his title up. My heavyweight in my stall was supposed to fight the rematch, Paul Lalonde, and then he couldn't go to Canada. So I said, fuck that. I'll fight the heavyweight champion for the title. And my Thai coach was like, really, baby? you do that? And I said, fuck yeah. I said, I'd rather fight for a title than get hurt than fight for nothing and get hurt. And then, so I ended up going and fighting him and beating him. And so that's what this belt is back in a long time ago. Oh, that's a beauty. Good boy stars. That's so, awesome. Shit like that. And what then, you know uh, what it is? They used to use like weightlifting belts back then and they would just kind of like Weightlifting yeah. belt, yeah. yeah, and then and then I was light heavyweight Muay Thai champ as a middleweight, and then Pacific Northwest middleweight. But Muay yeah. professionally, my record was like thirty. Well, MMA and Muay Thai is like thirty-five and fifteen, something like that. Okay. That's okay. fair. All right, so we we have like a segment where we talk about legendary events and cards, and there's certain organizations that are kind of at the top of our list that we like to to really know about like on a personal level, especially um, like when you're talking 95, 
that's that's almost pre no holds barred. Like if you really kind of think about it. And in 97, January 17th, you fight on Super Brawl 3. And that's kind of the no holds uh, no no holds yeah. barred era, the NHB era. So let me just kind of set the table for, for everybody at home. So they have Jay Palmer, J.R. Palmer is what he goes by. And he at the time was 16 and 0. He's 16 and 0. And Hawaiians, they love to get behind their own people. Like they're like the Irish cat with Conor McGregor, the, you know, the, the Muslim community with Khabib. Hawaii is very much like that with their own fighters. So J.R. Palmer is at this time, it's pre-BJ Penn, really. He is the man. Like he is the person that they're for sure compete on a world level. So they they bring in they, they bring in Danny Bennett, who's 0-1, and you know, lost in the first round. Palmer's got Taekwondo background, but excellent ground, according to you know the people from that organization. And in essence, with Danny, when you're walking to the ring, they're calling you a body, a tune-up fight. Yeah. So why don't you kind of bring us through the entire experience? Because what takes place is incredible. So, you know, like I said, Matt Hume, you know, approached me with this, you know, said, hey, Danny, I think I was like 185 at the time. He's like, hey, I want I want you to go to Hawaii. And I was like, really? He's like, they kind of show me who he is a little bit. They're like, he stomps people's heads, you know, he's, he's strong as shit. He's beat people from the lion's den, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why the fuck do you want me to send me there? I'm not a mm-hmm. ground person. He's like, I think you can beat him. And then, and it's for a title. And they say, you know, Matt gave me the, the lowdown. Like they want, they think, you know, they want somebody that they think would be a tune-up fight. So he can go to UFC and fight like Hal for Hoyler Gracie or something like that. And I was like, all right, it's like, fuck it. It's a trip to Hawaii. And if I do win, I'm a, then I'm going to be the champ. So um, I didn't really, like I said, I wasn't training uh, with my coach maybe once or twice, you know, a week, but I was training at my work. It was kind of like a Rocky thing. It was pretty funny. My boss would be like, where the fuck's Danny at? And I'd be down doing push-ups because I worked at a, a plant where I had like a certain amount of time when my stuff would, you know, take to get done mm-hmm. kicking, uh, cardboard boxes, bins that are like four inches thick that hold like zinc parts and on a pallet. I was kicking it and it would scoot. It was like four, in between four, 600 pounds, 700 pounds. And then I would kick it with my left. And my boss was like, Holy fucking that's your shins. You're taking that. And I was beating up the box. So, and just doing sit-ups and shit that then they fly me there. I get down to like 166. We fly to Hawaii and they freak out. TJ's guys like, holy fuck, you're hella big. Like they think you're talking about TJ Thompson, the promoter. Yeah, his his guy, Ode, the big muscle, the powerlifting guy, Ode. The guy who's the ref? No, Steve English. Oh, okay. Steve, Steve English is the ref. But they think that I'm like 185 and I started laughing. I said, shit, I haven't weighed 185 like naturally for a long, you know, long time, you know, for a while. But uh, I did. I was like around 185 when they approached me, I guess. But but I was kind of fat, you know, I didn't do shit. So they gave me the scale right away and I weigh 167. So I only had to lose two pounds. And so they're like, holy shit, you just look big. So we go to the press conference 
they got JR's fights, you know, blaring. It's a big, it's a big event for the, you know, thing. They're trying to scare me pretty much is what they're doing. And I don't know that JR must've heard like that. I might've been big and, you know, in those future fights, he was fighting dudes like 400 pounds. He fought some guy, you know, beat him. Mm-hmm. He comes walking up to me and my coach is like, damn, look, look he's coming. He, he walks up to me. And he's like, I don't give a fuck what you weigh. I'm fighting you because after I beat you, I'm going to the UFC. And I said, Punk, pump your brakes, bitch. I said, we haven't even fought yet. And he's like, what? And I said, dude, don't look past me before you met me, bro. I said, you don't know if you're going to beat me. And I said, if you do, we need to fight Muay Thai in a rematch. And he goes, I'll fight you. I fought in Thailand. They won't even let me fight anymore because of my right hand. And I I went at him. It's like, fuck, we almost got into a fight there. So my coach <laughs> pulls me back. We get into the stare down. And then, so he's so <laughs> tough. The country of Thailand has outlawed him from fighting. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's wow. why I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I've seen you fight. You know. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, when you grew up, you grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I'm sorry, in the Northwest, and and Hume is a pretty, like I I, I know Hume. Hume's a guy who always would be by the book. Like, but how were things at Super Bowl? Was the weigh-ins, like, were they up to snuff? Like, like were you, like, happy with all, just, all that stuff? Yeah, like, I mean, pretty early. I mean, everything was, seemed pretty legit for me. I mean, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I've been to New Zealand, you know, and it, it, it was really strict over there, like, the weigh-ins. I mean, I was, like, teetering on something, you know, to where it was, like, 70.2323. And I was like, fuck this. I'm ta- I started to take off my underwear, and they're like, no, 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 no you're good but no everything was good and legit as far as i knew i mean i always weighed on point so i don't know i don't care about anybody else i mean and i didn't care you know like when sean i fought sean mccullough he was 30 pounds every i didn't give shit i mean i've done that all my amateur career fight people bigger all right so miguel let me let me make you guys it's so interesting this fight so in essence you got the hometown guy and jay mm-hmm. palmer obviously we've established that and they announce Danny to come to the ring. He's first. Palmer comes next. And Danny is, when he, it's time to kind of meet in the middle. Wow. Danny kind of goes right at corner post to corner post to, you know, say prayers, offerings, you know, whatever it is you're going to do. Yeah. The referee brings him back in the middle again. Danny, you're there first. He starts to come. You turn around to go talk to your coaches. Yeah. And it's like, you kept it's like icing the kicker and in, 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 like, like in an important field goal. Was that intentional or was it just happenstance? No, it's just when I went up there, I was like, oh shit, I forgot to take my Moncone off. <laughs> so I went back. So my coach could pray and take it off. It was so, nothing about JR. I don't give a shit about JR. I was already okay. I was already so mad in the back in the locker room because I was a little nervous. You know, there was, you know, thousands and thousands of people there. And I dedicated this fight to my friend and uh, my coach knew I was nervous. And he said, well, I didn't want to tell you this, but Matt or uh, Cy thinks you're going to lose. I said, what? And I kicked the big old Red Bull container that holds the ice in the Red Bull in the locker room, shattered it. Ice and Red Bulls went everywhere. I started tearing up the like punching and kicking the lockers in there. And Trevor Lally comes in the, to put my gloves on, sees me doing that. Why Todd is over there giving JR his. 
He's like, D- you're going to fucking hurt yourself. I said, does it look like I'm fucking hurting myself? I'm just livid. I, I, now I want to go out there and kill JR. So that's kind of why I, I, I was just, oh, shit, forgot my mom called and went back. And that, I right. just want to kill him. No, I'm going to tell you what takes place there. So you have your ritual. You have, you know, you kind of kind of get your rhythm. Like when, you, when you're walking to the ring, you're, you're saying things in your head to each other, whether it's a checklist or, you know, thoughts that you, you're, you're kind of going through. What happens with Jay Palmer is you take him out of his rhythm. You take him out of, mm-hmm. like, he's no longer in sync with whatever it is that he needs to be in order to proceed. And I think he was nervous. I well, think he was you exposed that, though. He, he, if he yeah. was, he could have hit it. And with your actions at that moment, it, it became very apparent. Yeah. Hey, so would you agree with ask, that? Yeah, let me ask Well, you yeah, me. like I said, I think, I think he realized, like, holy shit, this guy. I mean, I was so calm, you know, and he's not, he, you know, he's not a very calm person. That, that just tells me his, his lack of experience where – you know, I've been around, you know, I've traveled, you know, places in the world. I've had so many fights. I mean, I've had more, almost as, you know, more, well, I've had way more wins than he has fights. So, I mean. So, right. I, so I, now I, we, we've got it. Like, we, we've set the playing field. Now, so, tell wait, us. Wait, I have happens. a quick question. I do have one quick question. You mentioned uh, Trevor and Todd Lolly. Todd was with J.R. Palmer. Trevor was with you. So, like, yep. they were running the show for Matt with basically the, the rush. But they were runner. helping do the gloves. And then Todd, Todd and Trevor were actually in my corner when I fought because okay. I was okay. really good friends with them. And they were teaching me, like, what I used to turn him over. Todd and Trevor taught me that for, like, two days straight. We just rehearsed, you know. And okay. then. Hey, here. Yeah. Let's go through the fight. We got, we got, right. the, we got the playing field. So go oh, ahead, man. Tell us, bring us through. This is fantastic. So, so I mean, like, I, I learned, you know, shit up coming up. I never usually talk shit to people because I'm pretty sportsmanlike and respectful. Yeah. But what happened at the press conference, I didn't like him. Now I was like, fuck this guy. So when we're getting ready to fight, and I jerk at him and I scared him. And I was laughing at him and I pointed at him. He's like, come on, come get me. I said, no, bitch, you come get me. So I started talking to him a lot during the fight. Like when he had me down, you know, he was trying to out muscle me. And I realized he's not that he's not stronger than me. Like, like when I shook his hand, I was like, oh, shit, he's not he's not as strong as me. So when he got me down, I just kept like talking to him. So, you you know, and he's trying to out muscle. I said, you're going to get tired doing that. And then he pulls my hair and I said, why you got to pull my hair, bitch? And then all of a sudden he slips out of my hand one time when I was talking shit. I was like, you're getting tired, huh? He's like, why are you talking shit, motherfucker? He's like so mad at me, right? <laughs> but that's, I was just trying to get him to out muscle, you know, try to out muscle me and fatigue. And that's pretty much what happened. And then when I got up or when I, he had me down, I heard Todd, Todd and Trevor yell, chop the right arm and leg and roll him. And I looked over at them and smiled. But I was also talking shit to his cornerman. His cornerman asked me, how's it feel to get your fucking ass kicked, Danny boy? And I go, fuck off. And then you see TJ lean over. He goes, finish him already. And I go, hey. I look over at TJ. And I go, hey, whose fucking side are you on? Like, And they're, they <laughs> all come up to me afterwards. They're like, I can't believe you're fucking talking shit with us while you're fighting. And I'm just like, so then when I get him turned over and get up, all I kept telling him while we're fighting, standing up, I ain't tired yet, you know? And he's just like, <laughs> all right. And I, so finally, when I backed up, I just told him I ain't tired yet. And I walked up and I looked down and he went, he, that's why he, 
leans down to like act like he's gonna catch my kick because I look down, but I kick up and kick them in the head. So yeah. And what you're describing is a highlight reel head kick <laughs> knock. Right. And how many minutes into the fight was it roughly? Like 14, almost 15 minutes. Okay. Okay. So Miguel, it's amazing. No breaks. So what I remember when is, they said 19 minutes remaining, I was like, what the fuck? I thought we already been fighting for 19 minutes. <laughs> Bro, I was tripping. I heard that. I rewound it just to make sure I heard it properly because you guys are like, I'm like, you guys are like 18 minutes in. What what are they talking about? Yeah. And Palmer was incredibly like aggressive after that initial exchange. He had top position and at times even mounted you for extended periods of time. Mm -hmm. And his offense wasn't enough to finish Danny Bennett. It wasn't. And Danny Bennett's defense was this much better than, better. than he was like, uh, it allowed you like this yeah. much room in order to kind of get out of really getting seriously hurt. And I also think that like, I, I watched a few of Palmer's earlier fights I think a lot of those guys went into those fights really scared of him. And that's something that he was probably used to and didn't experience with you. And I think, I think your just durability is what broke him. Well, and that's what, you know, a lot of people said, they're like, dude, you're, you're, you know, I didn't even train, like I said, but I was already in really good cardiovascular <laughs> shape. I mean, I wasn't that far off of being out of shape, you know, to fight. So, and, and I always walked around in good condition, cardio wise just because of the way we train when we fight Muay Thai but um but the thing is too yeah I just think my I have more heart more experience and that was just and calm. he sold a lot of tickets he sold a lot of tickets like that audience was there for him what were so, the conversations like afterward with the promoter with with Paul with uh, Palmer if you had any so um, I, they almost, I almost didn't go to that fight cause I was just getting over, uh, ammonia and bronchitis or whatever. And so I said, I would still come and fight. And TJ did send me a VCR tape of JR. So, and I just, That's cool. like, this, guy, this guy's fucking garbage. You know, he does all this. Well, he like, he doesn't have any stand up. So that's why when he said, Oh, I had four fights in Thailand, they won't let me come back. That's why I want to kill him right there. But, um, so TJ asked me if he goes, so what'd you think of JR's tape? I said, tell him, I said, keep his hands up. So when we're at the fight party getting paid and he goes to give JR his money, his envelope, he goes and to JR, you know, 16 and 0, unfortunately you had to go through a loss, but you know, Danny boy did tell you to keep your hands up and you didn't. All right. JR Palmer, everybody. And then Joey busts his balls. I'm like, Oh my God. I, and then like four of his four or five of his friends were waiting for me at the top of the elevator at the elevator to the party. We almost got in a fight at the at the entrance because they they were mad when I kicked him off me and then he ran and tried to kick me and I swiped him and he fell down and I stomped on him and then kicked him a couple of times in the face when he was out of the ring. So they yeah, were that like, was earlier of, prior to the knockout. That was like at the 12 minute mark. OK, yeah. yeah. So they were mad at me about that. So they wanted to. And then next thing you know, me, my coach, and the lollies were about ready to throw down with these dudes that were waiting for me at the elevator. And then, but these big ass bouncers came and were like, no, this is his fucking party and pretty much muscled him out of there. But JR was pretty cool. He made excuses up because he had to go to the hospital. He made it back from the hospital. 
uh, to, to the party. But yeah, he would say, I was sick, blah, blah, blah. No yeah, it's always something. Yeah. Hey, so so how fast, like, you know, sometimes these things happen pretty fast in the old days. Were they talking rematch right away that day? Or what? what, what did he have a I rematch clause? Maybe, I want to say maybe two or three weeks later, um, okay. TJ called me, asked me, okay. and I don't know why he's calling me, but called me and asked me if I'd rematch, you know. And that fight, I got 500 to show, 1,000 to win. For your first okay. one? Yeah. All right, so just so people at home know, so they could follow along. Yeah. Three months later, April 9th, 1997, is Super Brawl 4. So it's the next event next for yeah. that organization. Like, they're not – a lot of times they kind of go every other event with their guys and they cycle them through. Mm-hmm. This was not the case. No. They thought he was – they thought he was, I was lucky. Okay, yeah. so what was the purse for your second fight? So the purse for the second fight, I, I uh, well, obviously I wanted more. And uh, I think I, I mean, said I Right. Yeah, I said I wanted five and ten or something like that. I said something stupid, you know, just to, you know, be a salesperson. And he's like, no. He goes, well, he goes, I'm giving JR 15 and 15. And I was like, then fuck you guys. I said, dude, I, I, I beat, I knocked him out, dude. I knocked your champion out. I want more money. So um, I got three and five and I made him bring my dad and we stayed for a whole week. Oh. All right, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So they paid my dad to come. They paid for our hotel the extra week. And, that's not cheap. But I said, other than that, I said, get me somebody else. So okay, said, so then, that's good. And then I hung, we hung up, and then five minutes later, TJ said, "All right, we'll do that." Really good. Good. Now, and then, yeah, the rematch happens. So the rematch takes place, and. Um, just a fluke. Couldn't happen again. Yeah. Danny Bennett, I mean, he's he's a tough guy. He's a tough guy, but he just doesn't have the skill that Jay Palmer has. That's what the people announcing the fight are saying. Tell us about Wayans. Uh, Wayans, uh, again, he came up and tried to talk to us. This time, Marie Smith is standing with me. And he starts running his mouth again and even tells Maurice Smith, Maurice, you know, that he would fight Maurice after he's done whooping my ass. And he goes, little boy, get your fucking ass away from me. He goes, Danny's going to knock you out even faster this time. That's what Maurice said to him. So get out of here and kind of like shoot him off. I'm just like, what the fuck? So this time I'm like in his face when we're weighing in. I'm like, I almost kissed him on his face. So, but, um, he was scared, scared shitless. He stunk. Um, <laughs> the, the, when we came out from the second fight, my dad, you know, because my dad got to be in my corner with me. We're, we're in the back. I'm warming up and I'm way different than everybody else. Like everybody wants to listen to music and walk around and, you know, pump themselves up. Me, I'm damn near falling asleep, taking a nap back there. Wow. And my dad's freaking out. My dad's like, Bert, to my coach the fuck's the matter with him he's making me nervous why is what's wrong with him he's like no trust me dan my because that's hey, you're my at the end of the night you know you're at the end he's of the like, night yeah he's like he's like danny's danny's right where he needs to be and he's like shouldn't he be more excited and he's like no and then my other teammate was like you need to fucking submit this motherfucker because they were talking shit that i was lucky right said submit him and then when jr comes running out he's already doing this shit, tell me to get the fuck out of here. And then my friend goes, no, fuck that. Knock him out again. So, but yeah, I mean, they 
it was, it was he smelled so bad that's all that's one thing i remember like when i walked past him i, I came back to my corner and i go bert he fucking reeks and he's like because he's fucking scared because you know his fear was smelling really bad and i was like damn <laughs> that, that's yeah. impressive now before we so, wait, wait. so in the second fight it goes along the same lines and you had kick knock him out again were you surprised and it was funny because when I got up and I went and I shook it off, I calmed down. I could hear his cornerman, watch the right leg, watch the right leg, because that's what I kicked him with. Well, I'm known for my switch, for the switch left he- left high. And he's a southpaw with his hand down. So, you know, I already knew I was going to knock him out with that left, in, with the switch left. And then when I hit him and rocked him, and I just, you know, just all came together i mean it's just a typical combination so but but yeah i was laughing inside the whole time this corner watch the right leg watch the right leg I'm like yep watch the right leg it's gonna be the left so <laughs> it, but, he yeah. refused to shake your hand too at the end yeah well because he so when i knocked him out i i pushed him down and held him down and i asked steve english are you gonna stop it because they were getting ready to ban it in Hawaii. They took head, I think, well, I don't think they took head stomping out yet, but we weren't allowed to elbow in the face like that no more. Um, or I don't think you could elbow like this. You could forearm, but I was told not There's to. There's no 12 to 6. Yeah, no 12 to 6 elbows. Yeah. They were starting to come down on it. Yeah. Yeah. And they were getting ready to, to ban it because they were saying it was barbaric. So, you know, TJ even will to this day say, you know, he thanked me because me doing that to him and not instead of jumping on him and beating the fuck out of him i looked at or you know i held him down and asked steve english are you gonna stop it because i didn't want to beat him up anymore he was already like kind of like coming to you know his like flash knockout so he didn't know what happened until later after he's seen it so it happens you know and that's real mature of you to say that because it's unfair to hold actions against somebody that literally just woke up from getting knocked out it really is yeah and and after the fight so like you said he didn't come and shake my hand right so after the fight i'm talking to one of the police officer in there because he remember he he was there when i knocked you out the first time and he's like oh man they were gonna have to send you home the first time because of the betting that was going on over there and me knocking jr out a lot of people lost a lot of money and I was just like, I remember them t- saying that to me when I was there the first time. I was like, I ain't going home. I ain't worried about nothing, especially when I'm here with my, like Matt Hume. I'm there with, you know, people that I know that we can handle ourselves, you know, together. So, but JR comes walking up and the cop says, hey, here he comes. So I turn and look and JR comes walking up. He's all mad. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, he's going to probably start a fight. And sure enough, he just reaches out and said, good fight. I know we may never fight here again, but we will fight again. So I said, all right, well, have a good night. That's cool. That's cool, yeah. man. Yeah, so he did at that give point me props first. But, but then later on, he was on a podcast with uh, uh, the other. I just did a podcast not maybe eight months ago, nine months ago um, with Todd Atkins. Oh, you know dude, who? good podcast. Yeah, Todd is a historian yeah. like us. So yeah. I heard JR you know, making up excuses and shit. Like he, oh, I was sick and blah, blah, blah. But then later on come out, you know, he said, you know, no, he, 
he got me, you know. It, That's cool. So cool. Yeah. Hey, he so goes, you let, were just way better. Let, let me ask you, uh, before we get into, into the rest of your career where you fought a lot of big names, um, let's pause a little bit in the Super Bowl world because, first of all, that Super Bowl three is a historic card. There was a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on there. Maybe you can shed some light. First of all, who'd you share locker rooms with? Um, well, me and Lober were okay. in the same locker. Lober. Future UFC veteran. Wait, I, I'm trying to remember if me and Lober, I think, well, me and, because we, me and Frank Shamrock were in the red corners. But I think Lober was in mine. But, or, yeah, I don't remember. I don't, actually, I don't remember who was all in my in my corner. I didn't really, like, for that one. But I just remember after the fight, um, you know, me and or John Lober, I was waiting for my ride, and Lober and his crew, you know, were like, fuck that. You just fucking won the title, too. You're a champ. You're fucking right in here with us. So me and my, my ex-wife, uh, girlfriend at the time, my two coaches, we all jump in and we're, you know, John, out of anybody that, you know, it was John Lober. I don't even know this guy, but he's like, no, you're the fucking champ. You're going to ride in the limo with us. So we got to ride, you know, hang out with him. And he was a really nice dude. Um, couldn't, you know, it was just like, damn, this guy took a beating and still ends up beating Frank Shamrock, you know, break, you know, mm-hmm. knocks his teeth out and fucking he got heel hooked like really bad. His ankle was bad. So. But uh, he, he was just a really nice guy. I talked to well, – and then that's when we got back to the hotel, and that's when me and Pat Militich kind of had an exchange of words in the elevator. Like, oh, it, yeah, let me ask you about that because Militich is another interesting name on this card. The fact is, is Militich shows up, and he's part of a four-man tournament, and he gets another Midwest fighter. This kind of shows you Super Bowl had, had some pull – they got two Midwest guys going out in the first round. Jason Nicholson. Nicholson, 30 pounds bigger probably. An uh, uh, Indian, you know, a, a Native American. Cherokee, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to say, you know, the wrong thing, but which makes yeah. him tough as shit in my book. You first know what Nation. I mean? uh, look at all the hockey dudes. Yeah, <laughs> and, they're, they're First Nation. Yeah. So, so the bottom line is, is Pat Miltich had all he could handle. Why don't you take it away from there, Danny? You know, I mean – I, I just think Matt or uh, Pat should have been able to finish him. I mean, Pat, you know, with his wrestling pedigree and the submission, I don't know how he did not, I mean, beat Nickel, you know, but like I said, when Nickel's getting pounded, he's sitting there low like this to the, you know, because yeah. you he, he ain't hurting him. And then what did you do? To, I, I was just, what did you do to hurt your shoulder? You were in control of the fight the whole time. You just couldn't finish the guy. What did you do to hurt your shoulder? You, I think he was just freaking out because he had the fight for pretty much the whole fight. And then Ray Cooper smashes that Japanese dude in like less than a minute. You know, I mean, I, I just think he didn't want to fight. So you got you got Pat Militich on one side, Ray Cooper on the other side. The idea was, and there's, there's also a Monty Cox connection who's a promoter from the Midwest with TJ Thompson, who's the promoter from Hawaii at this time, TJ's kind that's of, what, I think that's who it was that, that where I fought for the uh, UFCF. Monty Cox. Monty Cox. Okay. I think that's who was helping Matt Hume with the UFCF. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So that makes in sense. essence, you know, there, there's, there's a relationship there where they trade talent and Ray Cooper 
Ray Cooper, he's a friggin' savage. He's a friggin' savage. So, in essence, you got Monty Cox with his, you know, hired hitman and Pat Militich, because that's what Pat is. Pat, Pat is legit, former UFC champion against Hawaiian's, you know, top guy, Ray Cooper. And the idea was to kind of have him meet in the middle. And Pat exerting himself with his first round opponent, um, I think it was like nine minutes, I want to say off the top of my head. No, 15 minute decision, one okay. round. I'm off. 20 minutes. Wow. He just, he couldn't finish his opponent and he's going in against a very fresh Ray Cooper. And you're claiming that Pat said he was injured and opted out. Well, yeah, he said he's injured. He said he hurt his shoulder and I just, I don't know. (laughs) No, I I understand what you're saying because it was the kind of fight that there were a few embarrassing moments for Pat. It's not bad. Pat's best look that fight. Right. And then that insult to injury, Ray Cooper waiting for, uh, you know, the big Pat Militage finals gets Jason Nicholson, the guy that Pat couldn't beat, walks into the finals because Pat didn't show up. And so, yeah, that's always going to be an open question, I think. Yeah. Now, but, did you, you talk know, to Pat about it? Did you say, did you bring it up with him or did you? No, know I just, no, I just, I just kind of popped off to him in the elevator about you, you, you'd want to fight me, but you, you know, in Muay Thai, but you, you know, I just, yeah, I didn't say nothing bad to him about that, but I just I said I'd fight you any day in Muay Thai, dude, because I just watched him fight. I'm like, he would not be a, I, now MMA. Matt, Pat would kill me, you know. He's strong. He's a better wrestler, but Muay Thai, no. Don't claim you're a Midwest champion and I'm a world champion, you know. So, but I don't know. I didn't say nothing bad to him. I I like him. He's a nice guy. I just thought he pushed out. That's my opinion. I don't know if it's true, but that's what I think. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, what do you think happened in the finals? Was Nicholson just shot because he, he had 30 seconds for Ray Cooper? Or was Ray really that sharp Ray, that day? Ray's, Ray's a beast. So Ray's strong. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, maybe Nichols, you know, said fuck it. <laughs> but... <laughs> Raise a beast. I mean, I've been in there with them, so I already know. I mean, and you know, his son is the top prospect outside of the UFC right now. His son's got two wins over Jake Shields, where Jake wanted nothing to do with him. And and even though Jake may have been past his prime at the time they had met, Jake Shields is a dangerous, dangerous guy, and he wanted absolutely nothing to do with Ray Cooper, yeah, Junior. So I mean, it's just it runs in the family. Different, really, and- different times, you know what I mean? I mean, I always wanted to fight Jake Shields. Um, never did. Um, I know that they were in back then in the King of the Cage days, they were trying to maybe see if me and Lo- Dwayne Ludwig would fight each other because we're both Muay Thai guys. Um, I know I was supposed to fight um Alex Gong, Muay Thai champion from the K1. Uh-huh. Uh but and before he got murdered, and then uh they pulled me out a week, like a week and a half before the fight, and replaced me with Dwayne Ludwig. Oh, and Dwayne Ludwig looked like he was beating him. I was there. They still brought me, you know. Basically, Dwayne Ludwig outperformed him, you know, but still lost. So I think it was more political for the K one. But uh, um, but yeah, I don't know. I just here, but. 
Let, let's throw a couple other names. You, you, you've had some other famous opponents. You fought Dennis oh, Hallman oh, twice. Well, well yeah. let, me, let, me, let me stay on that Super Bowl for just another second because you got Frank Shamrock there losing to that fight with Lober, who you mentioned. Now, is that something where – can you tell us anything about Frank? Was he cocky heading in? Was Maurice Smith? Well, with that's him at pretty the much time? the first. That's pretty much the first time he ever fought like real no holds barred. He was always he never, you know, right. he always did just submission. But I mean, look what he did when they came back and fought in the UFC. Right. right I mean, right. He, Frank he took, killed him in the first round. I mean, this yeah. destroyed him. I mean, it, it, his it, first fight jitters too. Yeah, like, you know. Was it that? Was it something that you think? See, I always looked at it well, as like Lober to the fight. Me, we're on video, but he was a playboy, so I know he was. When we were there, I was like, "Damn, he's getting all the bitches," <laughs> you know. So he he's having fun, you know. He was young, I was young, and that was, you know, okay. we're in Hawaii. What I mean, yeah. I think maybe he. I think maybe he was distracted, you know. Okay. <laughs> I always saw it like like Lober was there to fight and Frank was there to compete. It's kind of know? what I was, what I was getting at by what distracted. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so, and, and on the next show too, that Pete Williams made his debut there, a future guy, you know, he knocked out Mark Coleman for in the UFC and stuff. Any of those guys, did you notice them or was the lions then kind of, you said it they were kind of a, kind of a brat pack together. They didn't really, I mean, Oh God, I'm trying to remember the other kid that fought on there. Um, Big like 185er, 205er. Oh, what was uh, his name? John Renfro there or Doug Murphy? No, John Renfro. <laughs> I'm just going through the card here. Oh, that guy. No, he was on the Lions Den. Um fought the UFC for a little bit. Oh my god. Oh blonde hair. Bolander. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I talked to him a little bit. Um, he was pretty cool, but yeah, I mean Pete was a little it's cool. Um They're quiet, you know, right? They're pretty quiet. Yeah, and they just kind of kept to themselves. Um, uh, you know, I know Ken from, you know, tr training with him when you come up to train with Marie Smith. So, you know. He well, here, let, let's, let's push the interview along a little bit. You've got two fights against Dennis Hallman. Just Ooh. one. Uh, I got April 24th, 1999, and I got December 4th, 1999. I, I just fought him once. Do you remember which one of those was it? I don't remember which, what the date was, but it was, yeah, I just fought him once. Uh, he got me in a, well, he got me in an arm bar, but I wouldn't tap. And he was telling me, Danny boy, tap. I'm like, fuck you. You ain't got it. And then Hume was Danny boy, tap. And I'm like, fuck off. And then the ref was asking me, do you want to tap? I said, fuck no. And then Matt one more time said, Danny tap. And I said, no. And then he goes, break it and then then the referee you know jumped in and stopped it so but yeah that's how that went but yeah. <laughs> dude dennis, dennis dennis allman he he's just a savant he's an absolute savant when it, when it came to submission grappling <laughs> yeah he's he's good you know he's, he was strong dennis hallman you know always talked a lot of shit coming up i was already pro a long time before him He'd always be like, you're a paper champion. And and then after that, he beat me. And I was like, all right, let's fight Muay Thai. And he goes, nope, that's not my game. <laughs> right there on the, you know, so he, he knew. That, yeah. So. He was a character. Absolute yeah, character. Pretty much. You know, he's yeah, a good guy. And they, then they bring you back out to Hawaii to fight on Super Bowl 13 against Ray Cooper, who we had yeah. just mentioned. Did you have any concerns going into that fight? 
oh yeah i just watched him smash two people before so you know of course i was like holy shit you know um but you know also too a lot of people kept asking him would you want to stand with danny boy and his ego is like i'll stand with danny boy i ain't scared to you know fight with because he's not too bad of a boxer you know and so when we were you know i had to cut some weight for that fight but um yeah it was tough to cut in the weight but fighting i was tearing him apart for a little bit standing up like he just couldn't get near me i just kept tearing his legs apart and finally he just said fuck that shit and shot in and when i kicked his leg one time and took me down but i was actually beating him from the bottom because i was holding him pretty good and making sure i kept control of his left arm because that's his he's a left-hander that's his power and then I kept elbowing him from the bottom and then pulling his head down, let him up. And then finally he postured up and I heard Matt say, buck, you know, Matt, he was in my corner, told me to buck up and push his hips up so I could bring my knee in. And when I did that, he just said, boom. And I just remember seeing a white flash and I heard the crowd like, oh, and then pushed him. Pulled <laughs> oh, it must down. be me. Yeah. <laughs> I rolled him. I started beating him and I accidentally headbutted him trying to scoot up. I paused. Sorry. He's like, okay <laughs> we kept fighting and then i you know got him a few times and then i put my hands right next to his hips to you know posture and i heard matt get your hands out of there and boom got he got me in the arm bar before i could yeah. you know yeah yeah ray, yeah. ray was uh my opinion he's one of those special fighters that probably he's good. yeah it doesn't get the credit he deserves yeah i fear i thought he would have gone way further than he did so yeah I agree. I agree. Fabiano, well, here, how about this? At this point, how much of your training is like geared towards submissions, wrestling, submission defense? At that time? Yeah, zero. That's what I thought. So your next no. fight's against Fabiano Iha, who does highlight real submissions. Right. <laughs> yeah, he got that north and south on me, and I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, because I never seen that before you know i just figured he was because i heard he likes arm bars but then when i i kicked or i did something and i went to uppercut him as he shot in i just missed him i mean it just grazed him and he shoots in and takes me down and when he went to the like you know north south on me to do the arm bar i was like whoa i don't i was at loss i didn't know what the hell he was doing and all of a sudden i'm fucking whapped up in an arm bar and when I tried to pull out, I separated my rib. So yeah, Fabiano was, and it was a quick, quick arm. Dude, he, he's sick, dude. That, that guy was pretty savage. I was like, pretty impressed. Yeah, yeah he's a smaller guy too, as compared to yourself. Yeah, he was quite, quite a bit shorter than I was. Yeah. He goes, so, but he just told me, he goes, I just saw your, I saw you kick that J.R. Palmer. I said, I ain't getting kicked in the head like that. So I knew I needed to take <laughs> you down as soon as possible. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So one of our favorites, uh, we had an interview with Eve Edwards. It actually <laughs> broke the three hour mark and none of us were done yet. Like it was a phenomenal interview. Um, yeah. You fight Eve on a King of the Cage, September 16th, uh, 2000. Yeah. Um, when you're coming to the ring, when they announce you, they're announcing you as um, a Boss Rutan student, one of the top Boss Rutan students. Was that true? No. No. Okay, who are you training know. with then? Uh, Marie Smith. Okay. You were well, Marie at Smith. that time, though, I was living in uh, Tempe. I, we had the Arizona Combat Sports. We just started it up. Now, as you know, you started up with the Lolly Brothers. Why don't you talk about that? Because Todd and Trevor, 
We we talked about them being, you know, huge runners. I know, I know they had some brief experiences in judo in the early days as well. So mm-hmm. like good guys, and later on they bought a, a whole bunch of fighters up, uh, you know, up through the UFC. Scott Steinbeis, yeah. Ray Ray, and stuff. So talk a little bit about that. Were you starting a gym with them? So yeah, so. Um, you know, obviously with the super brawl, like I said, it, it, it boosted me up, you know, to where people were like, Oh my God, that's the greatest knockout, you know, ever blah, blah, blah. Um, with my Muay Thai credibility, I was a world light middleweight world champion Muay Thai. So, you know, I was trying to, I was coming up pretty fast. And so Trevor was like, Hey, let's move to Arizona. Well, we went down to go scout it out. And then I think I was, yeah, it was like 99. And then we went down it towards the end of 99 and found a place and Trevor bought a house and I started it up with them. So I was 30% owner just, just for my name. And uh, I was going to draw in the, the people because of who I was. And then I would say probably six months, seven months, uh, maybe nine months into it. Uh, my marriage was, having a hard time so i went back i came back home uh ah. and then but uh, i i always think back man because if i didn't come back home i would have been part of all that to help you know bring because that's eventually what i wanted to do is bring you know pass my stuff on and be in the fight game you know somehow yeah you know, the lally brothers left an indelible mark in the mixed martial arts world like they really have especially in that arizona you know, market. They've, they've done a phenomenal job with their yeah. gym, like consistently well, for, you know, almost yeah. two decades. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, where he came from, he came from Matt Humes and I mean, Matt Humes is a very successful person yeah. um, as far as you know, business like that. So, and, you know, Trevor and Todd Lally, they're, they're very business savvy already. So it doesn't surprise me that they, they did good. I know. Well, here, let, let's, let's go back to Eve Edwards. What do you recall mm-hmm. about that fight? I was frustrated. I was, I was super frustrated. Um, you know, I, I, they were telling me because I took that fight on such short notice with a Fabiano Iha that they would get me somebody, like you said, more of a kickboxer to where it would be good for us. And Eves has kickboxing experience. But like I said, when I started tearing him apart a little bit, kicking him in the legs, uh, Rico Rodriguez was like, do not stand. I could hear him. And I was looking over like, you motherfucker. Like, you fucking went in this motherfucker's corner. Like, but he's, I guess he goes back and forth to Texas where he is from. So they train together and I'm like, so then sure shit, you know, he, and then I, I, I don't like making excuses. I mean, granted, it was just, I just didn't learn the ground that Matt <laughs> Hume, no, Matt Hume was so mad at me after I lost to, uh, um, uh, uh, Ray Cooper. He literally slapped me in the face when we were done. He was like, Danny boy, you have the most fucking talent out of anybody in here. People trade three times as hard as you to have half of what you have. He goes, you need to take a year and learn the ground with me. And you can be the best in the world in UFC anywhere you want to go. Or do you just want to be a guy that likes to kick it and party and travel and fight and not really give it a shit, you know? do you want to treat it like a job or do you just want to treat it as a way to go kick it and hang out in different places? And I said, for one, don't ever slap me in the face again. And you know, but it was my ego back then. 
You know, I just, I didn't want to get my ass kicked starting a new fucking fighting thing when I was already the best, you know, at Muay Thai, you know, but later on, as I got older, I started learning more ground and, you know, I'm not super awesome or anything, but I've held my own against like blue belts and shit like that. So, because cool. I know, you know, I know enough, but sometimes it's just maturity, you know, it's what it was. I was just, like I said, it was my ego. It's, you know, it's yeah, you didn't want to get enough. your ass kicked in the gym. You don't want to get embarrassed in the gym. Yeah. No, that's, that's, it happens. no, but that's a martial arts thing too. Like a real martial artist too. It's like, hey, you you didn't take it up to make the money or anything. You took it up because hey, it was a hole in your game, and it's kind of a private thing, no? Because you mm-hmm. took like seven years off and then got had a fight with Shannon Rich. You know what was that like? Is Shannon? I don't want to fight. Those- I want to fight him again so goddamn bad. Because I, I you that's know, another one I took on short notice again. Had for to a couple lose, hundred like, dollars, you could have had the opposite. You know. Mm-hmm decision on that one mm-hmm. yeah and i don't dude yeah but did you have some ground heading into that fight is that something that you'd already worked on a little bit and yeah what a little happened? bit i mean that's why like he got me in one move i got out what did i can't remember oh he got me in a heel hook and i got out of it and i grabbed and i actually got out of it to get on top or slightly on top and then uh, I think he rolled me or something into an armbar. I mean, he says he's good on the ground, but his stand-up, I, I still keep trying to get him to fight me Muay Thai or something, but he always never answers or responds. So. <laughs> yeah, he's going to avoid He's gonna avoid that, I think. Oh, I know he will. <laughs> yeah. But what happened there with that seven-year break? Was it something where you were straightened out? You're like, because you gave up on the fight game or, you know? Kind of, kind of. I mean... Okay. I did. I, I fought. So I, I fought so much in the first, I mean, in, in a year, less than a year and a half, I already had 28 amateur fights. I was fighting. No, I was always fighting everybody heavier than me. Um, you know, obviously I had a heavyweight title, light heavyweight title as a middleweight, 665 pounds. So, and then when I started fighting pro Muay Thai, I mean, I just, same thing. I was fighting all the time. I was still fighting dudes, 185, 180 when I was 165, you know, and I think, and I was fighting almost to where I was fighting month, like um, every six weeks or, I mean, there's t- a couple of times, a few times where I fought twice in a week, you know, one Saturday, then the next Saturday. Yeah. And Maurice Smith's manager, who became my manager, was like, you burned him out, you know, to my mm. old coach. He's like, you burned him out. This guy's, he just, uh, he just fought too many hard fights, you know, too many big, bigger guys and which i don't think that's what it was i don't i just and then they started slowing down on getting me fights and that was kind of making me mad too so that's kind of how i faded like my manager was more focused on maurice and our other girl fighter and i was just like i'm not sitting in here training every fuck day to be just training i want to fight so and then when i won that world title nobody challenged i got never got challenged for it ever again so then i went up and wait I wanted to go heavyweight. So then I cycled up and started training with uh, Maurice and Matt Hume. And same thing, Matt Hume wasn't getting me any fights. So I just fell off. Yeah. So. Okay. Now, but you still follow the game nowadays? Like, like do you really? A little bit. I'm getting kind of back into it. I like a few people. Um, I'm actually coming out of retirement here in about six months. I'm going to fight a Muay Thai fight against a local guy. Um, that came up That's when cool. I came up, kind of, kind of chomping at the bit a little bit. So I pretty much said, "Well, then let's come out." I said, "You ready to come out of retirement?" Then so he's like, "Uh, sure." So 
we're setting it up here in probably the next six months. That's cool. Well, yeah. you guys both have you, know, you have a goal then at that point. Yeah, yeah. I'm making it's Muay Thai to, or it's not even Muay Thai. It's just regular kickboxing. The guy well, he calls me out on Facebook, but then tells me he could beat me, but then doesn't want to fight me Muay Thai. It has to be kickboxing. So I'm like, <laughs> then it's like not five rounds, and it has to be three rounds. I'm like, dude, how do you call me out and say you can beat me, but then you gotta, you know. Are, are you the- getting in social media beefs at this day and age? Is that is that what you're talking about? No. Well, he kind of did. He's he. We're friends. Don't get me wrong. But okay. he he used to be really fat, heavyweight champion from here, like three thirty three. Lost some weight, then had the lap band surgery. So I think he's just feeling himself a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so let me run a couple of quick names by you here as, as we begin to wrap up uh, from from the northwest. We talked a little bit off camera about Landon Showalter, who's a, a veteran from up there that you train with and stuff like that. I, I heard you threatening him, threatening to stop by his gym a little bit and, and, and show him a little Muay Thai. So why don't you talk a little bit about Landon So he, I never really trained much with him. Uh, he was with Charlie Pearson and all those guys. Uh, but I'll probably say maybe 10 years ago somewhat, I was like, dude, we should fight. You know, kept like getting in his ear, you know, because he after I left, he was kind of the the good guy. And when mm-hmm. I stopped, you know, and I just thought it would be a good fight, you know, for me and him. Not that I don't like him or anything. I think I love the guy. He's he's a really nice guy. But uh, but yeah, no, I like him, and it's not, you know, I am probably gonna start heading up there probably once a week to go get some sparring in with them, you know, cool. just to get around. But um, I train at Ring Demon. And then all fitness. So cool, cool. Now, one other name here. We talked about Ray Cooper and how he's a got a second generation fighter. There's another pretty good one from up there. Uh shoot, uh, I'm gonna draw a blank on his name here for a second. How uh da, 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 another Matt Hume guy. Uh Lance Gibson. Lance Gibson. Ever, uh, and Lance yeah. Gibson's uh, kids well, he bought up. with me up in Super Bowl four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me and him got to be really good friends. Um, we hung out after the fights in Hawaii. We went uh, sort like marlin fishing, sword fishing, on a on a charter boat. Yeah, he after, still does after, that. Yeah, yeah, and um, him and my dad still talk. Like he really liked my dad. Him and my dad hit it off really well. So my dad, him, still talk on Facebook. Um, he asks me all the time if you know when he does talk to me, how's my dad doing. But uh, I liked, I really liked him. He's a really nice guy, really respectful. I remember I was going to get in a fight in a club here in Seattle. And this guy was, like, always bullying me, trying to trying to bully me, right, not knowing what I do. <laughs> and he comes over with some dudes, and he starts talking shit. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm trying to be good, you know. And, I'm like, and then Lance Gibson sees me get, like, told my demeanor changed, like, the you can tell when I'm pissed, I get quiet. The look, I'm, I'm diff- I turn different. And he's like, he's like, Danny boy, what's the matter? I said, that motherfucker keeps threat. You know, always trying to talk shit, keeps threatening me. He goes, Why don't you fucking knock him out? I said, cause I don't want to get in trouble. You know, I mean, I got a fight career, you know? So Lance walks up to him. What's up? And the guy looks at him. He says, what's up? And he's like, you got, you got a problem? And he's like, dude, like, who the fuck are you? And he goes, he goes, I'm hell. <laughs> and that's what he goes. The guy goes, what? He goes, I'm hell. 
H-E-L-L. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be hell for you. You know my boy Danny? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, do you know what he can do to you? And he's like, what do you mean? Because I'm going to show you what he can do to you. And the dude's like, hey, you know, because, you know, Lance Gibson doesn't look, yeah, he looks scary. And the dude's like, no, 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 whoa, whoa. And he's like, you know, basically, I'm mean, like, then finally I'm like, no, Lance, I don't want that because I can handle my own shit. I don't need to go beat up people for me, you know? <laughs> so, but it was pretty funny. So, I mean, yeah, we've, I haven't been up there because I'm not allowed in Canada, but. <laughs> otherwise i would have been up there a lot and yeah him and chris franco yeah yeah exactly we're, we're all close like, have you seen his kid fight are you, are you like because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. his kid's impressive too one of those yeah. yep yeah. i'm gonna hit you with one last name before i let mike wrap it up here and because you're a muay thai guy and i'm you know i'm not that, that's not my wheelhouse but is Ramon Decker the best guy in the world from these eras is that something that you you Ooh. can say like what, what do you think of Ramon Decker Oh, I, of course, I liked it. I like I like him, but I I like the Thai style a little more. Okay. The, so, you know, he's he said he's the Dutch, but I mean, dude, he's the one. Every time he'd beat one, they would send another one to beat him. Then he'd come back and beat one. You know, I mean, he's yeah, he is probably he's probably one. He is one of the greatest. Yes. And that Bo- Boy Cow is another one of the Thai guys. Is he? He's my like, favorite. Is that your favorite? Okay. Yeah. We, well, have, we have the similar style. We fight kind of the same. I just think he just he's he's smaller, so he had a higher output, you know. But we we do have the very similar style. That's cool. That's cool. That's that's just an intense, intense sport. It's a whole different I world. So, uh, do you have any regrets with the MMA stuff? Are you, you know, a little bit? But do you have any what? Like regrets? Like, would you do you wish you had dedicated to I mean, I I try to not have any regrets because I mean, I when I was a when I was born, I was born with a heart defect and wasn't allowed. To, I wasn't supposed to ever play any kind of sports. Um, you know, amazing. almost passed away a few times as a little little guy. Um, so I'm blessed, you know, to be able to have done what I've done. I've had, you know, doctors at fights were like, "Dude, you realize you have a heart murmur?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have a ventricular septal defect." He goes. He goes, good for you. Like the doctor's like, because I'm, you know, I've got like six titles. Sure and, yeah. And I was a semi pro. Yeah. MMA wasn't your main sport anyway. It wasn't. But so, like, I mean, you can't for really, Matt Hume to slap yeah. me in the face and tell me you could be the best and have the world in the MMA. And I didn't yeah, do it's it. It's different. Because, I mean, it's not even his first sport. It's the second sport he did as a hobby. Yeah. You kind of messed around with it, but you know, you made your mark. At the yeah. end of the day, I mean, look at J.R. Palmer. He made your mark. <laughs> no, somebody was going to make their mark. That guy. <laughs> yeah, somebody was going to make their mark. It was you. Time. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. No, but you're right. When, when Hume tells you that, now you, you look back when Hume says something like that to you, it's something yeah, like that. I mean, and and, and then, all those guys in that area, Landon is a, is a very high-level guy, Charlie Pearson that you mentioned, all those guys really tell Lance Gibson. They still never did nothing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Kind of got stuck behind Hume in a queue and and never really amounted to that. uh, Matt Hume's a genius. He's a mad genius. He really is. But, you know, Shandon, you know, uh, Landon and Charlie Pearson, they got their own gyms. And, like, you know, I I want that eventually. I just don't know how to do it or whatever. Um, that's my dream is to take kids. Cause you know, when I found my coaches, 
Uh, I was like 23 and I was probably would have wound up dead or in prison by now, you know, or a long time ago, the way I was. Um, so I really want to give back to the kids that, you know, maybe are neglected, having a hard time, you know, you know, because that was the first time ever that somebody ever believed in me and told me, yes, you can, you, you know, was my coaches. And, you know, I, the fights that I didn't think I'd win, they're like, dude, what are you talking about? You're going to kill them. And I'd go in there and knock somebody out. And they'd be like, I'd be like stunned that I was like, oh shit, I did that. And they're That's like, cool. damn. So I want to pass that on, you know, like Landon and them guys. And that's I, cool. I make me happy to see that, that they work with a lot of kids and, um, I don't know if you guys know who Eric Wiseman is up here. He's really big up here. He has a couple of gyms, but yeah, that's my goal here in the next probably five years is to have my own gym. That's cool. cool. Excellent. Okay. Danny, dude, we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Allowing us to kind of dig deep into the nineties pre NHB era. And, uh, um, right. and thank you for your time, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, and I'm, thank you for, uh, inviting me. I appreciate it. it makes me feel good. No, I, I appreciate it too. Definitely for me, you know, definitely a blast from the past, a heroic figure from the nineties, receiving those Super Bowl tapes in the mail and being like, holy mackerel. So mm -hmm. getting to meet you and uh, definitely a gentleman. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you.